You know, uh, I've heard of the deeds of the Lord, and now I'm seeing them for myself. Nairobi was put in the refrigerator. <laughs> but I, um, I got to say, I hear it's uh, much warmer than it has been. So you're very welcome. I guess God does have favorites, maybe. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm Edgar King. And uh, uh, thank you for the invitation. Uh, your pastors, uh, Pam and um, your lead pastors, Pam and Craig, are very prophetic because they did warn me yesterday at dinner to not, to not order Indian, and I didn't listen. So <laughs> please listen to them. So yeah, uh, I, I'm uh, the national director. Uh, uh, for the Association of Vineyard Churches. And what that is, it's really just uh, the fellowship of all the vineyard churches in Kenya, of the churches that are part of the vineyard movement here in Kenya. And it's, it's a, you know, we, we're a family of, of churches across the world. We, here in Kenya, we have about 60 churches, which KVC is one of. And one of the things I want us to hear is that we are part of a family. Because sometimes it is easy to feel alone. Sometimes it's easy to feel like, you know, uh, what is this guy, uh, uh, Elijah, who went, oh, I'm the only one remaining. Sometimes it's easy to feel alone. Sometimes it's easy to isolate. But it's important to know that we are part of a family. And that's one of the things I want us to hear. You are part of a family. And even as a movement, we are part of the, of the body of Christ. Because it's important that we learn to love the whole body of Christ. Even those churches that we don't, so like, we don't like so much. Like, ah, these guys are wacky somehow. We are part of the body of Christ. We must learn to love the whole body of Christ. We do not exist in isolation. You know, uh, we, the, the vision and the mission of Jesus Christ is so big we couldn't do it alone. So it's, const, uh, it's important to constantly remind ourselves that we, we, we exist alongside uh, other people who are following Jesus and joining him in his mission. Because after all, you know, it's never about how good our doctrine is that, that people will know that we are disciples of Jesus. It's actually how we love one another, right? So the vineyard was just, you know, this global movement was birthed in worship. And something that actually transformed uh, how worship is done globally. And, and you know, we, we are marked with a deep love for the move of the Holy Spirit. We really love and bless. We always want to see uh, the, the full functioning of all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We are people of the wind. Where is Jesus going? Where is the Spirit leading? That's where we want to go. What is God doing right now? That's where we want to go. You know, and we hold closely to the proper uh, teaching of the Bible. It's the Word of God that guides us, not the newest philosophies of, of, of human beings. Even as times change, we want to, uh, you know, seek uh, fidelity to the Word of God, which is true. Then there's just this value that's so close to us, justice. Because we cannot love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, and soul, and not love our neighbor as we love, uh, as we loving ourselves. And the plight of the widow, the orphan, 
the weak, the poor, the stranger to our lands, uh, those who are caught up in, in, in human trafficking. That's God's plight too. We cannot, we cannot love the Lord our God with all our heart and mind and soul and not pay attention to that. That's part of who we are. So what we hope to see is our communities transformed by the good news of the kingdom of God. This is, this is all that consumed Jesus. Everywhere he spoke, every time he spoke, he would say, the kingdom of God has now come. The rule of God is now close. The kingdom of God is here. Behold the kingdom of God. That God is, is closer to you than you think. He constantly told people this. God is closer to you than you think. And that's what we want to see impacting and transforming our communities. And this was a, subs, uh, you know, a, a, a sub, subversive message, to be honest. It shook Rome, the power of the day. It did shake Rome. It tore down religion. And religion is powerful even to this day. Yet this message changed that. It, it changed civilizations to this day. And even better, it led Jesus to the cross and resurrection where all of creation finally is reconciled with the Father. Then after all these things, Jesus then uh, 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 you know, looks at the 12 friends he had, he had that were following him, they were learning from him, and he tells them, okay, now go do this thing. He hands over this ministry to the 12, and, and, and so after he gave them this mission, we start seeing churches pop up. Because for some reason, this was how the mission was supposed to be accomplished. So he hands the mission to, to these 12 and churches start popping up. Churches start popping up. The beauty and the mess of it. You know, if you've, if you've uh, uh, been interested at all in church history, you know that there's a lot of mess there. But there's also a lot of beauty. For some reason, God is not afraid. He's unafraid of the mess that we are. In fact, he invites us, come. Come, let's do this together. And so if you're, you know, if you're here and... And you're thinking, well, I'm such a mess. Yeah, you're the kind of people God is inviting, the broken. Let's do this together. So, and so, so many years later, you find Karen Vineyard. You find Trinity Vineyard, which I serve as lead pastor. And then you find the Vineyard Movement. And, and what we hope to see is a band of churches that both in rural Kenya and urban centers that are genuinely transformed by following Jesus. What we hope to see, you know, is that enough with the overfilling of churches on Sunday morning and on Monday, it makes no difference. You know, what it has done actually is, is quite the opposite, quite the reverse. People are leaving church, you know, in, in, in some places because, because it's, it's, it's what Paul called, uh, um, uh, uh, you know, people having some form of godliness but, not, uh, 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 but rejecting the power thereof of the gospel. What we hope to see is a band of churches where real transformation is happening. What I hope to see is a band of churches with a deep passion for the inbreaking of the kingdom of God 
Everywhere Jesus went, behold, the kingdom of God has come. You know, so even as we walk the tension of the now and the not yet of the kingdom, we pray with expectation, we move with expectation, we pray for the sick, expecting God to heal them right this moment. Because He does that. We set the oppressed free, whether it's demonic oppression or wickedness of human beings. We set the oppressed free. This is God's kingdom come. What we hope to see is church, churches that are passionate, you know, worship that is passionate, authentic, and real, that goes beyond music. That actually the, the music is just an overflow of, of lives that are, are, are being lived in, in, in the posture of worship. That this is who we are. People who bring pleasure uh, to the Father. People who delight in the Father. So there's a celebration and a genuine lament where there, when there needs to be. This constant adoration and responding to God in worship. And all of it is constantly uh, uh, marked with this intimacy with the Father because He loves us. He loves his children so much. You know, there's something I've, I've been saying the last few weeks. That there's one thing uh, 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 God doesn't know how to do, and that's being absent. God just doesn't know how to be absent. And he's present every time we run to him. Or as some, some guy I listened to says, this is a God-haunted world, right? Or if you don't like those words, David would say it this way. Where can I go to hide from your presence? If I lie on the, if I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I lie in the depths of the sea, you're there. This is what I hope marks us as a people. What we hope to see is churches that are looking outward, loving their cities and their neighborhoods, loving and, 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 and blessing other churches. I am so excited to, you know, Craig and I have been talking about just how uh, KVC is, is moving even as a body to be missional and inviting individuals in KVC to be missional because this is who we are. This is who we got to be, looking outward, loving this city, loving our neighborhoods, to see our neighborhoods are transformed by the kingdom of God. And how I pray that our church is KVC, Trinity and, and all the others around <clears throat> will be hospitals for sinners like me, forgiven sinners like you, that instead of running away, they will feel welcome. Places that reflect the true nature of Jesus, you know, full of grace and full of truth, not 50% grace and 50% truth, no, 100% grace, 100% truth. We do not compromise on, uh, on God's word, yet with our arms open wide for everyone daring to walk towards Jesus. It's not, about how far, it's not about how far they are, it's about what direction they're facing. That we could encourage in us and, and in our communities um, a theology of journey. We're moving towards Jesus. Let's move towards Jesus. Let's move to the, towards the center. So, yeah, as Craig mentioned, uh, the vineyard is in transition, and um, uh, they were crazy enough uh, to pick me. That, so, 
that's okay. And so some of you have met Noah, he's been here before. Um, and at, any, at, at all inflection points, at, at, at any points of transition, we have to ask the question, why? Why do we exist? What's the purpose of all this? As a movement and even as a church, you know, will, will anyone miss us? When, if KVC wasn't going to meet, will anyone miss KVC? And if they do, will they miss it for good reason? You know, uh, as a movement in Kenya, will anyone miss us? And if they do, will they miss us for good reason? There's, we always constantly have to ask the question, why do we exist? What's the purpose of all this? And, um, you know, because church, church has, never, has never been about the building. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure about how I feel about meeting outside in this season, but it's okay. Church has never been about buildings. It's never been about PA. We have to get the right why, and so that we can know anytime anything else is coming in the way. Even if we are coming in the way. But let's be honest, I think there can only be one why for the church. There can only be one purpose for the church. See, Jesus didn't say, on this rock I will build my churches. On this rock I will build my church. There's only one church. We could have different names. We could be in different places. Different temperatures. It's really warm in Nakuru. You know, uh, but there can only be one purpose, and then as, lo as local churches get planted, as, as, as movements form, and, and we could state them in different ways, but they all have to be the, uh, variations of the same thing. It has to be the same thing. Why does the church exist? And I know that nothing, uh, you know, some of what I'm going to say isn't new, but I just hope we can remind ourselves that, hope we can come back to that, and hope I could encourage you. And I think um, one of the places to look at is, is the early church. You know, KVC has been, um, and this is so good, this is, this is the first church I'm visiting since, and this is where it started. This was the first vineyard in, in the country. So that's so cool. Thank you. Um, and it's been how many years? From 96, right? And, and all the math geniuses have got that already. So it's been that long. But really, the church has been here longer than that, right? And so probably, if we don't want to go, why is KVC here? Let's go all the way back to why it all started. And so, um, you know, we, we have this group of believers. They, they were scared once because Jesus was dead. And like, we thought he was the one. How could he do this? And then they see the resurrection. So they've seen Jesus' life. They've seen his death. They've seen his resurrection. And then something happens to them. They, they receive the Holy Spirit. And from that moment on, they are captured by this vision that they are ready to die for and die all of them did for it so when they start planting churches when they start doing this thing that causes churches to pop up it is this why it is this purpose it is this vision that they got you know you've probably heard you know get something worth dying for and then live for it and they got it they saw jesus's life 
They saw his death and resurrection and, uh, and, and they believed. They were like, yes, it must, everything he's been telling us, it must be it. And they received the Holy Spirit and they go, yes, we will die for this. And die, most of them did. So the vision was so compelling, but what could be so compelling for Jewish young men and women that they decide, yeah, we're doing this thing. It's different, but this is it. What could be so compelling for, for young Jewish men and women that they just changed direction? Or maybe it was the same direction, but it, it sounded different to every other person. I think they found out, you know, I, I, I liked, you know, well, I liked all the songs, but there was one song that was like, uh, uh, Jesus was the fulfillment of the promise. Jesus is the fulfillment of scripture. This is why it captivated these Jewish young men and women who went running with it and said, yes, for this we will die. They had found the one who the, whom the prophets promised. They had found the one who David called my Lord. Like David was a big deal. So if he calls anyone Lord, then maybe you should take it seriously. They had found the one whom Abraham looked forward to. They'd found the fulfillment of God's promise. And I, wanted, I just want to preempt. You know, uh, series that have, movies have, uh, what, do we, what do we call them? You know, just trailers, yes. The trailer of this is that, that the church is all about that. Pointing to Jesus, the fulfillment of God's promise. Okay, now let's go on. <laughs> you know, and, and, and so, so I want us to just walk through what that promise was because this has to be the same reason kvc exists this has to be the same reason trinity vineyard exists this has to be the same reason the vineyard movement exists and so i just want to start from the book of beginnings or what we call genesis what is god up to he's bringing everything into order He's ordering a temple where, where earth and heaven will meet, where God and his creation will dwell together. And then he creates humanity and makes them kings and priests. And this is what he says in Genesis 1, 27, 28. I was told that I have to read from scripture for it to be legal and legit. So let's do that. So God did just that. Oh, he just said, let us make man. And yeah, let's make human beings. So God did just that. He created humanity in his image, created them male and female. Then God blessed them and gave them this directive. Be fruitful and multiply. Populate the earth. I make you trustees of my estate. So care for my creation and rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that roams across the earth. So from the beginning, the story has always been about ruling with God. The story has always been, hey, I have blessed you now. Bless each other. We all kind of know how that's all about. Anyway, uh, so I've blessed you. Bless each other and then bless the world. The story has always been, bring my kingdom come to the earth as it is in heaven. And then if you're familiar with the Bible story, there's a rebellion both in, 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 in the heavens and, and, and in the garden. Sin comes in, death comes in. We simply don't, you know, hold it too well. But God's heart for creation does not change. 
It's always been about blessing the world, bringing creation to experience uh, his rule and reign. So God again gets on, a, on the same mission to heal, restore, and even renew creation, bringing the kingdom of God, the reign of God over creation. So then God chooses a family. The descendants of this man, Abraham, they're invited, hey, come and be part of the story. What's the story? To bring blessing to the world, to all of creation, to bring all creation under the rule and reign of God. So, you know, if, if you look at Genesis 22, 17 to 19, I will reaffirm my covenant of blessing to you and your family. I will make sure your descendants are as many as the stars of the heavens and the grains of the sand of the shores. I reaffirm my earlier promises that your descendants will possess other lands and sit in the gates of their enemies. And from your descendants, all the peoples of the earth will discover true blessing. And all this is because you have obeyed my voice. Again, I'm going to make your descendants kings, queens, and princesses. They will sit on the gates of the enemies. But what's the point? So that all creation will discover true blessing. It has always been about bringing God's rule and reign over the earth, over all of creation. The covenant has always been about Israel wasn't invited in for itself. Again, a little, a little, uh, oh, what's that word again? Trailer, yes. <laughs> Even the church does not exist for itself. Israel did not exist for itself. The church does not exist for itself. They were established as a nation to be kings and queens and gatekeepers. But for what reason? So that our creation can experience true blessing. God is on a mission. And the mission is to bring the rule and reign of the kingdom over all of creation. God is on a mission. And the mission is to bring the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven, in Nairobi as it is in heaven, in Nakuru as it is in heaven, in Kenya as it is in heaven. This is what true blessing is. And this is what Jesus is the fulfillment of. You know, we start with creation. God picks humanity. They don't do so well. God picks Abraham and his family. They don't do so well. God picks Israel. Well, still Abraham's family. They don't do so well. And then Jesus steps into the scene and he says, Behold, the kingdom of God is now here. Behold, the kingdom of God has come. And he goes around demonstrating, declaring and demonstrating this truth. Not only does he, you know, <clears throat> in his first sermon, um, he, he opened the scroll of Isaiah and said, how, okay, the time has come. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to declare and then to demonstrate. So he goes on healing the sick. He, he, he casts out evil spirits. And um, he sets people free. He teaches truth, constantly declaring the kingdom of God has come. And so this is the vision that the twelve are, are, are seeing lived out. This is the vision that they're being taught about. And when they see the death and the resurrection of Jesus, and, and, and they believe and then the Holy Spirit is poured onto them, they know, yes, this is true. It has finally been fulfilled that the kingdom of God has come in this man, Jesus. The kingdom is finally here on earth as it is in heaven. 
So then he makes, Jesus makes this great invitation. This is the narrative the church is part of. This is the narrative you are part of if if you're a follower of Jesus. This is the narrative you're thinking about if you're thinking about following Jesus. Then he makes this invitation. Hey, come, follow me. Everywhere Jesus went. Hey, you, follow me. Or in some cases, he'd ask others, are you sure you want to follow me? I don't have a home. You might end up like that. Are you sure you want to follow me? Because you keep looking behind and talking about doing this and this before that. Are you sure? But it was all about following him. This was an invitation to be his disciple. Come join me on this mission. Even when he promises, about, uh, he promises that he will build his church, it's always, it's, it's, it's always been about the same mission, the same vision. The kingdom of God come on earth as it is in heaven, bringing true blessing to all of creation. We could call ourselves anything, we could, we could move from Karen to a different part of, of town. But the vision is the same. The kingdom of God come on earth as it is in heaven. So after the death and resurrection, they have believed. Well, there's, there was this one guy. He probably is, wasn't very happy that everyone kept talking. Oh, uh, call, calling him... Uh, Thomas, the doubting Thomas, I, I imagine if they were hanging out together and, um, and they kept calling him, oh, doubting Thomas, he probably would go something like, hey, Peter, I, didn't, I, didn't, I don't keep reminding you that you, dr- you almost drowned. Or, or you know, when, when Jesus showed up after resurrection, they were, they were fishing, and uh, Peter had taken off his clothes. I don't know why he's fishing like that. And then he jumps into the water. And, and no one keeps bringing up that, uh, that up to Peter. But anyway, so they had believed. And, um, and so he gathers them again. And, and he gives them this mission and vision again. What has been called the Great Commission. This is what gives birth to to what we end up calling churches. He restates the same mission of God from the beginning. But I want us to see how he does it. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. And you don't see them confused about what Jesus might mean. You don't see them going, oh, wait, wait, what is this discipleship thing? It's because, well, partly it's because in this culture that was common. In fact, it's not just uh, spiritual people that had disciples. It was just senseis, masters, rabbis. People had disciples. But also it is what Jesus had done with them. Essentially, Jesus is telling them, Go do what I have done with you. Everything you've seen me do, everything you've heard me say, go teach others and do it with others. It seems that Jesus is convinced that how the world comes under God's rule and reign is by men and women becoming followers of Jesus. 
It seems that, that Jesus believes that how uh, uh, the world comes under the rule and reign of God is by human beings being transformed through following the way, being followers of the way. It seems that how Kenya comes under the rule and reign of Jesus is by churches in Karen and, and Dagoretti and all over the place having people who are constantly becoming like Jesus. It's never about the buildings. It's never about the PA. Nothing wrong with all these things. But never when they're taking away from the important thing. And how does discipleship work? Because that's, that's an easy word to throw around. And sometimes discipleship is, is such a churchy word, but really it's just about apprenticeship. And, and the way you apprentice under someone is you hang, uh, you hang around them. As you watch them do what they do, you do it with them. They let you do it. You watch them do what they do. You do it with them. They tell you why they do it. You hang around them. You become like them. And then you're released to do what they do. That's the whole idea. Even with, with discipling under Jesus, even with apprenticeship under Jesus, we need to learn to be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and then go out and do what he did. Being with, it, means, it means we have to become a church that prioritizes, that goes beyond a Sunday gathering. A church that goes beyond a Sunday gathering. A church that will uh, equip Believers, equip those who are following Jesus, equip you and I to learn to spend time with Jesus. I think, you know, this is what Jesus, in one of his last speeches or talks or sermons, or just a conversation with his friends, called abiding in him. If you abide in me, if you make your home in me, we need to learn to equip each other to make our home in Jesus. We need to be a church that, that, that equips believers to be found in Jesus when they're in the marketplace, when they're in the bars, well, it could be milk bars, when they're in the playing field, when they're at home, that they can be found in Jesus. You know, things like prayer, fasting, reading scripture, all these practices that are famously known as spiritual disciplines, they're not an end to themselves. It's not about, oh, my word, I fasted 39 days. I was this close to, to get to the Jesus record. It's not about, no, they're not an end to themselves. They're a means of training ourselves to be, to be with the Father. It's got to go beyond Sunday morning. They have to be a part of the rhythm of who we are. You know, and becoming like Jesus is, I think, is what Paul calls Christ being formed in us. The real question, you know, uh, there's the, what would Jesus do? But I really think the real question is, what would Jesus do if he were me? If, if Jesus was, was if, if Jesus were you, what would he do? Because this is Jesus being formed in you. If Jesus was a pastor of a local church, how would he lead it? That's, that's the journey of becoming like him. If Jesus was a carpenter for those who are carpenters, how would he do it? If Jesus was a single mom, how would he do it? 
This is the journey of being transformed. And this happens as we, you know, uh, submit to the transforming work of the Holy Spirit. As we move from glory to glory and becoming like Him, because we aren't there yet. I know, I, I might look a little bit like Jesus, but I'm working, you know, it's, it's not yet there, you know. That like Him, we would soon see the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness. And some of these things are very easy to fake, especially for us young people, but you just cannot fake self-control, right? We need to see, we need to continually submit to the Holy Spirit and see His transforming work. That we become non-anxious presence in a very anxious generation. Thanks to Twitter and Facebook, we now know what's happening in Russia and everything is going south and then your family is also going through stuff and like everybody's anxious. We, what, what, what needs to happen is the injection of a non-anxious presence. We need to become that. We need to become like that as we're fully led with the Holy Spirit. Here's the thing. It can only happen when we partner with the Holy Spirit as He does His work. We are invited to participate in God. There is no transformation. I know worship is good. We experience the presence of God come down. But you're invited to partner with God. Because he's not forceful, right? I think we often forget that Jesus taught those who hear my word and put it into practice. We're invited to participate. And Jesus did, didn't often mince his words. You know, he'd tell people, are you ready to take up your cross? Are you ready to take up your cross and follow me? You know, let's be careful. Let's not move back to the chains of religion. Jesus broke those. Let's also not fold our hands and say, well, there's nothing for me to do. You see, we're already formed in Jesus' image. We, we're already new creation. The thing is, we don't know how to live that way yet. So constantly, Jesus would teach, blessed are those who hear my word and put it into practice. There's an invitation to constantly practice. As we practice, we become people who build their lives on the firm foundation. Because it's not when, it's, it's, sorry, it's not if, but when trials and storms come, we will not be shaken. Why? Because we are practicing what, what our master is teaching. We're not just going, yeah, I have the greatest master and he loves me. No, we're practicing what our master is teaching. And so just like him, when trials come, we will be able to stand. So we need to practice patience because you're not very patient people yet. I, I'm not. And then one day people will say of you when you're 80 that this was a very patient person. Well, you let the Holy Spirit work in you and you practiced every day. And some days you went home saying, ah, that was not very patient of me. And you submitted again to the work of the Holy Spirit. We need to practice being, you know, peacemakers. Because as we are children of God, we, we don't know how to do it yet. And so as we practice each day submitting to the Holy Spirit, we go, oh, someday when I'm 90, people will say, oh, yeah, that 
person was such a peacemaker. Well, not yet. I am daily stepping into what God has already made me. But it, it, it needs obedience to that, to that invitation. And then we need to always do what Jesus did. It's not for the chosen few. It's not for, for those who, who get paid on staff. It's not for those who, who um, you know, have, have taken up uh, their, their lives to be missionaries. No, it's, it's for all of us. Imagine, you know, just like Jesus, we must feed the hungry. We must heal the sick. We must preach good news. We must demonstrate the kingdom of God. All of us, both as individuals and as a community, it's always this both and it's always this interesting dance of you and us, individual and corporate. We are not complete disciples if we don't join in. You've got to join in. Imagine law enforcement um, uh, radiating with so much truth and grace that even as they put cuffs on someone, and maybe this is a repeat offender, so they even know him by name, this person knows that he is loved. And maybe there will be an opportunity to share the gospel. Imagine politicians who, who one is a follower of Jesus and he flips the status quo and starts serving people instead of being master and lording it over them because he's learning that from his master Jesus. Imagine disciples of Jesus who are constantly learning to be with him, to be like him, and they go out on the streets and in their homes and in their schools and they do what Jesus did. This is the invitation. This is God's kingdom come. And this is how our nations are transformed. As each one of us becomes disciples of Jesus every day. This is the invitation. As I finish, I want to be clear. It takes practice. It takes coming together, learning, being, being encouraged, and then going out there and doing. Those who hear God's word and put it in practice. What it means is that we don't know yet how to be what God has already made us. So we learn and practice fully dependent on the power of the Holy Spirit. It'll take practice to learn how to pray. So you might as well start now before you're 85. It'll take practice to learn how to deal with your past. Working through the sin that constantly gets you. Working, learning how to forgive as you've been forgiven. Because it ain't easy. It takes practice. Some of you might need to say I forgive you a few more times before you actually go, oh, I think I forgave them. Right? It takes practice. And then one day you go, I think I don't have that, that anxiety I used to struggle with. It takes practice to learn how to pray for the sick. So do it over and over again. And, and if you're in a small group, just tell them, hey, could I practice this thing? You might get healed. <laughs> right? And, and so, so whether we see instant healing, whether we see gradual healing, whether we do not see healing as we would want to see it, let us learn to ask the question, can I pray for you right now? 
Because this is the invitation. Come, be my disciples, and I will make you fishers of men and women, Jesus said. Come, be my disciples. The, the earth, the uh, creation is made new. Creation comes under the, the, king, the rule and reign of the kingdom of God as people are renewed and made new through apprenticeship under Jesus. This is God's kingdom come.